0: we going to talk today about Mission Possible. Mission Possible, making the mission of Christ our own. Years ago, uh, there was a television series called Mission Impossible. Uh, they came back and later on, modern days, they've uh, made movies out of it with Tom Cruise in it. But for those of you that didn't know, before then, when the television series. Uh, the younger people are going to think I'm crazy, but you, uh, those of us that are older remember that they would go in and they get that old reel-to-reel recording. You know, they'd open the briefcase up and, or they'd step into a phone booth, and for whatever reason, the reel-to-reel recording was in there, and and they'd play that recording, and at the end of it, it would always say, "If you or any member of your team is caught." We will disavow all knowledge of you. And I thought that's nice. You just told me that I could die. I'm going to get on this mission. I'm going to go do this. And that it's by any other standards and any other team, it's impossible. And if I get caught, you don't know me. But yet they still went. You know, episode after episode. Uh, Kids, that's before Netflix, so you had to wait until next week to find out if they lived or not. You know, we never knew if Batman and Robin were going to make it out. Uh, You know, the saw always stopped right there, and it said, tune in next week. Uh, And we couldn't just play next episode. Uh, So there was a lot of stress in that. But you know what the beauty of God's mission is? He's already promised that if we do His mission... And we get caught. He's going to love it. He's going to say, well done. He's going to know us. He's going to say that he knows us. That his mission isn't that this group, this entity is going to say, I don't know who that is. When they get caught. One of my favorite stories in the book of Acts is when Stephen is being stoned. And he says, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of the Father. I always thought that was interesting because Scripture tells us Christ is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. And so I just I kind of picture that Christ is standing up and he, one of two things. He's either ready to welcome Stephen home or it's a standing ovation, one. Well done. Way to go. You proclaim the gospel all the way to death. See, this mission that we're on, it's possible because we're not on it alone. We're not on this mission all by ourselves. It's not our strength, it's not our abilities, it's the ability of God who lives in us at salvation. The Holy Spirit indwells us, and we're given that power and the ability. A story today, we'll cover different parts of the whole chapter of Luke 5, but we want to read verses 17 through 26 together. I'm reading from the ESV. It says, while he was in one of the cities there, excuse me, I missed it, at 12 instead of 17. You get 12 later. (laughs) Verse 17, on one of those days, he was teaching Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, He said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, rise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all and they glorified God and were filled with awe saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. So we see the mission of Christ wasn't just to heal, because the first thing he says to this young man is, your sins be forgiven you. His mission is the forgiveness of sins. His mission is the salvation of mankind. And he wants all to be saved. He says in 1 Peter, he would that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Repentance. So his mission, Christ's mission, is to seek and to save that which was lost. It's to go into the world and preach the gospel. He gives the great commission for us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But that mission is not an impossible mission. It's a possible one. But we've bought the lie that there's no way. We've let the world say, well, they won't come because it might be crowded well they won't come because i've invited them before well they won't come because and you could just go on couldn't we we've heard the lines we've told ourselves. we've heard it ourselves. well i can't go or they won't come but have we prayed there have we given it to god have we continued on the mission of god because god's mission isn't impossible There's some things that happen to us. We're going to look at three things total that happened when we take on the mission. But when you look at the whole chapter, the first 11 verses, it tells us the story of Jesus. He's out preaching and he's on the Sea of Galilee. He's on the shoreline there of Sea of Galilee. He's preaching and teaching and the crowd gets so great that it's pressing against him. And so he steps into Peter's boat. And he said, Hey, just push this out a little ways from the shore so I can keep teaching. And as he's doing that, he preaches and he teaches. And then he turns to Peter and he says, Hey, throw your nets, let's push out a little deeper and throw your nets in. Peter said, "Uh, Well, we've done that all night long, boss, and uh, we got nothing. But nevertheless, it's your word. We'll throw in the nets. There's not really a lot of faith in this statement. He's really, he's like, that doesn't even make sense. I'm a professional fisherman. You're a good teacher in all, Jesus, but um, we've done this. We didn't catch any fish all night. We're certainly not gonna catch them in the daytime. They can see the nets in the daytime, Jesus. We're not gonna catch anything. Guess what happens? Well, they catch fish. They catch a whole lot of fish. So much so, they've got to call people over, get the boats together to get the nets to shore. That it shook them to this point. And Jesus tells them, he says, from now on, you're going to catch men. I'm going to change something for you. He goes from that, Luke goes to the next story, and he says that Jesus is walking through And a leper cries out to him. It says, starts probably that conversation with the phrase unclean. But he says to Jesus, if you will, you could make me clean. If you have the desire to, you could make me clean. And Jesus shakes up the whole bit. Because he doesn't stand 50 feet away. Like the law says. And say, okay, be clean. It actually says that he goes over first and puts his hand on him, he touches him, and then says, I will be clean. He moves into this story of these men, these four men, bringing their friend to Jesus to make sure that he's healed, that he's touched. He goes from there to the story in verses 27 through 32, he tells of his calling, Levi or Matthew. He's a tax collector, a traitor in their mind. He's working for the Roman government, collecting taxes, and everybody knows that the habit of these tax collectors was to cheat people. If the Roman government sent down an edict that you owed $1,000, they were known for telling you you owed $1,500 or $2,000. Well, if you don't pay, then they would take your property, sell those things. And they knew that they were lying. They knew that they were thieves. And Jesus calls this man to him. I want you to see these three things. The first thing I want us to see that happens when we take the mission of Jesus on as our own, is our priorities change. Verses 17 through 26 tells us this story of these men who they get their friend, and they say, "Let's take him to Jesus. He's paralyzed, but he's our friend. We want him to get healed. So they bring him to where Jesus is teaching, but the Bible tells us the house was too full. They're standing at the doorway. They can't get into the house. It's too crowded. There's, there's no way they can even probably each one work their way in. But they certainly, with this friend laying on his bed, can't get into Jesus. We can't put him through a window. Can't squeeze through the crowd. Let's go take the roof off. Now, let's think about it for a second. This isn't their house. This is somebody else's house. Now listen, if you want to go home today and you want to take the shingles off of your roof and you want to peel back a section of plywood and you want to drop a sick neighbor through, go for it. Do not show up at my house and start taking shingles off. And I won't show up at yours and start taking shingles off, amen? Their priorities were, hey listen, we're gonna, this is going to cost us. You're going to have to fix your neighbor's roof here. You're going to have to repair this damage that you're about to cause. And they're going to tear a hole big enough to take a man laying down on a bed through. That's going to cost them. But their priorities were getting their friend to Jesus. Well, This is going to cost me some time. We may have to come back we might have to stand in front of the magistrates and say, yes, your honor, we did tear his roof off, uh, but we're gonna go this Saturday and fix it. We're, We're gonna go this afternoon and fix it. There's some cost involved, there's some difficulty involved, but their priority was he needed to be in front of Jesus and nothing was stopping that. See, I wonder how many times we've allowed something way less than a crowd of people or a roof keep us from bringing our friends to Jesus. See, Jesus understood his real need wasn't the healing physically, it was the healing spiritually. So he started with forgiveness of sins. But how often has something so minor as well it's a little crowded kept us from sharing the gospel. Well, this is... You know, this is the issue, or this is the problem, or they'll say this. But do they need to be at the feet of Jesus? And if they need to be at the feet of Jesus, which we know they do need to be in front of Jesus, we do know that they need a Savior, why are we allowing our priorities to be our comfort and not whatever it takes to get them to Jesus? It's our pride. Well, what will they think or what will they say? I guarantee you these guys didn't stop there. What are people going to think when we start peeling the roof off? What are these crazy guys doing? We're trying to listen to Jesus. Will you stop tearing the roof off? Right? I mean, there's all kinds of things. People are going to look. People are going to stare. Why are you tearing the roof off of this house? There are some commentaries that believe that this house may have been Peter's house. Based on some of Peter's other responses, Pete might not have had a great response here. Why are you tearing my roof off? (laughs) He's a fairly strong guy because there's one place where he carries an entire net full of fish to shore by himself. Probably not the guy you want to get upset with, but they didn't stop. let any of that stop them. They said the goal is get people to Jesus. And we'll say more about it in a little bit, but we've, we've been talking and it's on our calendar. It's in your worship guide. December the 8th is to invite your friends, bring your friends. What's stopping us? What have we looked at and said, that's, that's keeping me. The crowd or the, the roof we know those are just pictures of the block but what is it what is that thing that the enemy is using to say no don't invite that friend or or don't do it don't bring that person or don't invite this person do it whatever it is do it because the mission is possible Because it's not my job to convince them. It's not Josh's job to convince them. It's not your job to convince them. It's our job to invite them, and the Holy Spirit does everything else. So we put too much weight on ourselves. Well, we, you know, we grew up using this phrase, especially if you're Baptist, well, I led this person to the Lord. All I did was show them where he was, he did all the leading. The Holy Spirit did all of the drawing to them. I've had the privilege of being in the room and being the one that showed them the scriptures. But listen, I'm just there. The Holy Spirit's doing all of the work. You're just there. Stop trying to take on load that's not yours. Don't take on responsibility that's not yours. Just get them in front of Jesus. He'll do everything. Invite them. So, well, what if I invite them and they don't come? you invited. Pray over it. Listen, I got to tell you, that's an important thing. These guys had a plan. But you can't tell me that there wasn't some prayer involved, that there wasn't some, some passion involved. Well, you can't get in. Listen, we're full. We're not moving. Okay, we'll take the roof off. Well, we got nothing else to do this afternoon but fix a roof. Let's go. Let's get our friend to Jesus. The priorities changed radically. I want you to notice, not only do the priorities change, look back to verse 11. We didn't read earlier, but we'll read now. After Peter has pushed out, they bring this load of fish in. The minute it happens... The Bible tells us that Peter falls down at Jesus' knees and says, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Now, I love the picture. He's at Jesus' knees. I get a picture of he's grabbed Jesus by the knees and said, you need to leave me. I'm a sinful man. Um, you're kind of holding my knees. It's the same way with Jacob when he said, I'm not letting go until you bless me. I, I know I'm sinful. I get it. You should leave me. I shouldn't even be in your presence. But I don't want you to go. But I want you to know their view of possessions changed. Look at verse 11 carefully. It says, And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. They just caught the biggest load of fish in their career, and they get to shore, but because the mission of Christ had become their mission, they leave everything. They leave the fish behind. They leave the nets behind. They leave the boats behind, and they follow Jesus. See, I wonder sometimes if we don't allow possessions to possess us. One of the things I loved about Dave Ramsey's course was just that idea that we need to stop thinking it's ours. It's God's. All of it's God's. Not 10th of it. It's all his. It's all his possession. We're stewards of it. We're managers of it. We're not possessors of it. Peter and the other disciples that follow him had to realize none of this is important in light of following Jesus. That his mission, what he's doing, catching men, let's go. So we're gonna be evangelists now. We're gonna be proclaimers of the message. Let's go. Let's leave the boat. Let's leave the fish. Let's leave the nets. And let's follow Jesus. If you were asked, to give up something for Christ. Could you? We we get so comfortable in the United States. We're so blessed compared to other countries, compared to some places around the world. We have so much. I work at the Orlando Union Rescue Mission and I watch every day. I look out at the line and there's guys standing in line to check in each night. They don't have a place they can call their own. They're checking into a shelter each night, but every one of them has a cell phone in their hand. Because we live in a country that says that's a right, and they have food stamps, they have a cell phone. And I thought, but there's other people that wish they just had a house. Do you realize that if you're homeless in the United States, you're in the top 4% wealthiest people in the world? That's how wealthy our nation is, and we get so comfortable in it. We get so caught up in the possessions that we let them keep us from the mission of Christ. We let, because we don't have what we'd like to have, keep us. If we had everything we want, there'd already be enough money in the bank. The foundation would be poured. The walls would be built. We'd have a new auditorium in months coming we would be ready, wouldn't we? If we had what we wanted to, we'd be building five or 600 seat auditorium if we had what we wanted to. We'd have the best flooring known to man if we had what we wanted to. But is that a reason to not jump on the vision and jump on the mission for Christ and say no matter what, I'm going and I'm telling and I'm inviting And I'm proclaiming the gospel because the mission of Christ says that's where we need to go. That my vision of possessions, my view of possessions is going to change, that it's going to shift to that it's Christ and not my things. That it's Christ and not the property here that's going to draw people to Christ. That it's Christ and not whether the seats are this wide or that wide. That's going to draw people to Christ. Those are things we'd like and we should get if we can get and we should put those things in there. But the view needs to be they need Jesus and I'm the one that needs to tell them where he's at. I need to tell them what the saving grace of Christ is. If you've been born again, the mission of Christ should be yours. He's already given us the commission to go and preach the gospel. He didn't just tell the apostles to go and preach the gospel. That's all of us. We're all to be preaching the gospel, proclaiming the gospel, telling the good news that Jesus saves. But what part of the mission have we found in our mind to be impossible when Christ says it is possible? Then I want you to notice the third thing that happens is people's lives are changed. Look back, verses 12 and 13. We didn't read earlier, but we will. It says, while he was... In one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately, the leprosy left him. Immediately, the leprosy left him. Luke uses a medical term here. He said full of leprosy. It means he was in the final stages of leprosy and probably wasn't long until he would die. That he was probably close to the end of his life and Jesus touches him in mission to save him because he says, now I want you to do this. I want you to go to the priest. I want you to show yourself to him just like the law says to do. Go get the sacrifice that you're supposed to have. Go show him that you're clean. Go Present yourself to the priest so they'll know you're clean. You know what's amazing? All the way back in Leviticus 14, God gives the detailed list to the Levites and the priest of what they're to do if someone gets leprosy and then comes back and says, says they've been healed. There's not a single instance of anybody showing up in all of scripture written until Jesus shows up and starts healing people of leprosy. Can you imagine? These priests and Levites have gone through decade after decade, century after century. Then all of a sudden, this guy that six months ago they declared covered in leprosy and they sent him outside the city to the leper colony He shows up, spotlessly clean, and says, hey, I'm I'm here to check in. Jesus sent me. Um, Some some spots are gone. Got all the fingers back. I'm good. Uh, Hey, guys, you want to go get that scroll? What are we supposed to do? Roll it out. Okay. Has he been clean? Yep, he's clean. No spots? Nope, no spots. They start read, reading the text. They haven't done this in centuries. All of a sudden, he sends 10 in one shot. I mean, can you imagine the shakeup? The priest's lives are changed because they've gone decade after decade, and they've seen no healing from leprosy. They've said, you've got leprosy, get outside. Now all of a sudden it's one person after another person after another person ten in one time. Let's go through the process. Let's clean them. What's going on? We would look at that and think, what's wrong with the priests and Levites that they're not going to Jesus and going, okay, what are you doing? We haven't seen this before. Do you know how many people we've said declared clean in the last month? How many people you've touched and cleaned? By the way, we heard that you touched a few of these lepers. Could we see your hands? Oh, they're clean. There's no leprosy there. The mission of God is possible, but it changes lives. This guy is outside the city full of leprosy. There are times that leprosy could progress quickly. There are times that it could progress very slowly. They could have been years before they finally died from it. But the entire time they had leprosy, no one was to touch them. They're isolated, they're separated, they have to put their hand over their lip and yell, unclean. They weren't allowed to let anybody get within 50 feet of them unless it was another leper and yell unclean. They were separated from the rest of society. Can I tell you that some of the people that we need to be inviting for December the 8th, or listen, don't even wait. That's the big day. That's the big push. Get them here next week if you want to. We'll take them. We'll love on them. We'll show them Jesus. This guy hasn't been touched. Since the day the priest said he was dirty, nobody's touched him. Nobody's hugged him. Nobody's shown him love. So the first thing Jesus did was touching. I got to tell you, we need to understand the mission of Christ is built to change lives, to touch them when the world won't touch them. To touch people when they feel like nobody wants to touch them. And I'm not just talking about the physical touch, but the spiritual touch, the emotional touch, the touch of friendship. People should be able to come here and say, hey, that's a friendly church. But beyond just being friendly, they need to feel like they could be our friend. They need to feel like we could be their friend. Not just that we're happy and we shake their hand and we greet them. We should do that. We should be so friendly. We should greet. We should be so glad that you're here. And if you are a visitor, we are so glad you're here. But can I tell you, way beyond just being glad that you're here, we'd like you to stay. We'd like to get to know you and be your friend. That's what the mission of Christ looks like. The mission of Christ wasn't just to tell the disciples, hey, I'm glad you came today, but stay. Spend time. Get to know one another. Live in relationship with each other. Live in community with each other. That's what scripture is looking for. That's what the mission of Christ is about, that we need to see that it's possible to reach to people. And get them to know. He says to the group when he calls Levi, Levi decides to spend all of his money having a feast to call all of his friends. He says, hey, you guys got to come to my house, man. I met this guy today and he changed my life. So when lives are changed, they're changed to go tell other people. How do I have their life changed? He says here, hey, come to the house. Let's have dinner so you can meet Jesus. And the religious people said, what's he eating with them for? What's he having the tax collectors for? They kind of nudged the disciples. Hey, what's the guy doing eating with tax collectors? One translation calls them publicans. This is those uh, those agents of tax. Why would he eat with them? And Jesus answers them and says, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Tells them earlier, he said, the, the well don't need a physician, the sick do. Now, you know what the sad part about that is? The Pharisees thought, oh, okay, well, that's not us. Reality was, yes, it is. They were sick too. They were unrighteous too because the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. It has nothing to do with whether your name's on the roll of a church or not. It has everything to do with, is it Christ's name written on your heart? Have you come to know him as your savior? Have you come to believe that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him? Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and been saved? It doesn't matter that your name's on the roll. That's good. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're a member. Now get busy. (laughs) Join in the vision. That's not the goal. The goal is where has Christ come in? And when he comes in, the mission should change in your life to Christ's mission. So we we say the mission of North Park, the vision of North Park. You know where you're going to find the mission of North Park, the vision of North Park? Right there. That's one of the reasons I love this church. We didn't just come up with some cute little statement. You know, there's people... I I heard of a church that hired a marketing firm to figure out what they should tell people their church was about. They spent $30,000 at a marketing firm to figure out how they could tell people what their church was about. I thought, um, give me half that. I'll hand you a new Bible. This is is what we're about here at North Park. You know it. If you're a member here, if you're a visitor here, I'll guarantee you you come back next week, you hear Pastor Josh, it'll be worth coming back for. It'll be better. It's going to be about the word of God. That's where the vision is. That's where the mission is. That's what Christ came. He said, I came to seek and to save the lost. I came for the unrighteous. Came for the mission of saving souls and changing lives. Changing priorities. So our priorities change. Our views of possessions will change. People's lives will change. And that's what we should be about in our personal life. But North Park, are we on the mission with Christ? We say we are, and I believe as a whole we are, but are you in? Are, not just, just handing out an invite here or inviting there, but are you on the mission for Christ to bring those that are lost to the feet of Christ? So he can do what only he can do. You know the one thing that the scribes and the Pharisees had, right? They said, "Was this guy? Only God can forgive sins. You're right. Guess what? He's God. And he shows it to him. He says, okay, well, what would be easier? Say your sins are forgiven or take up your bed and walk? I say your sins are forgiven. You can't prove I didn't do it. It's not like he gets a blue dot on his forehead if his sins all of a sudden get forgiven and you go, oh, no, blue dot didn't show up. You're a liar. But if I say take up your bed and walk and he doesn't get up and walk out of here, you'll know I'm a fake. But just so you'll know that the forgiveness of sins was real, I'll go ahead and take care of the physical problem too. I'll do the hard stuff so you'll see it. See, you don't have to do the hard stuff, the inviting, the proclaiming the gospel. That's the easy stuff because Jesus has already done the hard stuff. He's already took the cross. He's already defeated the grave. He's already made hope possible through himself. And listen, he'll do the convicting, he'll do the drawing, he'll do the saving. I just get to do the inviting. Levi didn't say, hey guys, let me tell you, all about how to change your life. Levi said, hey, come over here. I got this guy named Jesus coming tonight. So when you invite, it's not about here. It's not just that they're in this building. It's not just about inviting them to this location. It's inviting them to the feet of Jesus, being on mission for him. Are you on mission? Is it the mission of Christ that you've accepted? Let's pray.